that. We'll go back to 1 Samuel. We're about finishing this little bit here with Saul. I didn't intend to, but I appreciate the Lord's help in it. It's helped me. Um, um, I was going to give you some water, young man, if you wanted it. Okay. Um, well, let's uh, go back to 1 Samuel. We'll, we'll continue on with Saul here. We're about kind of, uh, well, we're not done with Saul. Obviously, Saul still got himself in position um, uh, to be in these remaining chapters that we're going to be in. Uh, but the focus will kind of shift some to, to David. And so, um, we kind of end chapter number 15 with, uh, you can kind of now, you can kind of guess how things are going to go. Um, and that's the sad thing, really, as you, as you learn and you see people um, as they start out so well and they do well in the Lord, and then they start getting selfish and making decisions that they're making, you just, you know how it's going to go. You know the direction they're going, and it's not going to end very well for them. Um, and that's a sad thing. Nobody glories in that, but Saul's not going to die well. Now, I know David said, you know, well, um, so let's go on. First Samuel chapter 15, and uh, let's just kind of catch up quickly where we are. We're still looking at the fact that David's a sinful man. Uh, excuse me, Saul is a sinful man. And um, we learned that he suffers from just being distracted in the will of God. Um, there's no room for that. We have to have a single eye. Isn't that what the Bible said? Um, or how great is that darkness? So uh, he's very distracted. He's obviously blatantly disobedient, not, not on accident. Um, he is blatantly rebellious against the revealed will of God. So there's no question in that. Uh, now, uh, he never does repent. He does nothing but make excuses for himself and blames everybody else. Up until this point, that's what he's done. And so if he's going to continue to rule, it's going to get rough, right? Um, Samuel's already at this point, we've not gotten to the very end of chapter 15, but we've, we've gotten through and seen he's going to hear four different times that Samuel's going to tell him, God's took the kingdom from you. And uh, why we still continuing seeing him the remainder of this book, I, I don't know. I kind of think um, he should have humbled himself and stepped down, in my opinion. But either way, uh, it's obvious that God is done with him. Uh, he has made some self, very selfish decisions. He's hurt a lot of people um, in his um, um, desire to, to, to be whatever it is that he's wanting to be. It certainly not bring glory to the Lord. Uh, but so we've just ended uh, with Saul has defeated the Amalekites and has kept the king alive. Remember, he wasn't supposed to do that. And then blamed the people. In verse number 23, uh, verse number 22, we'll just start our reading there. Um, and finishing up this, this thought, uh, his distractions, um, his disobedience, the problem with dominion, his disregard uh, for God and his worship and seeking God. Um, and then in his denying of self, he's, he has is, is totally become self-centered. Um, we read that in chapter 14. When he said, I and my enemy be revenged of my enemy. So 1 Samuel 15, verse 22, Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Question. Uh, behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. 
So God doesn't need my opinion on what he thinks needs done, right? He doesn't need my ideas. He doesn't need me to do. He just needs me to do what I'm told to do. Whether I understand it or agree with it, I'm supposed to obey God, right? And God doesn't have to explain to me why he wants me to do what he's doing, does he? He doesn't owe me an explanation. And I'm not going to not do it until he explains it. I'm just going to obey God, right? That's faith. Obey God. And so he's not walking by faith. So rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. And can I say something here? You young people better be careful what you're fooling around with. Uh, It seems funny now, but I've heard way too many stories. Uh, I believe the demons of hell are as real as Christ is interceding for us in the heavens on the right hand of God. I believe you can open yourself up through music, through pornography, through all kinds of wickedness. Can you open yourself up to demonic Possession or oppression? I believe that as much as I'm standing up here. That there are demonic powers that desire to have you and to destroy you and sift your life as wheat. That's what I believe. And I believe if our eyes were open, we would see that spirit world. But it's invisible. So uh, it's scary to think about, but if you look in the Gospels, Christ dealt heavily with young people that were possessed by demons. Some of you are demon-possessed today. You think going to church would keep a demon away from you. Ask ask, uh, those men in the Bible when them demons said, Paul, we know, who are you? And they entered into them. There ought to to be a little fear in our heart. I think we play around with spiritual things too much. There was demons possessing people, causing them to tear themselves and go into... I'm telling you, the demon world is real, and you better not subject yourself to it. And um, this sin of witchcraft is about as demonic as I can think of, being fooling around with demonic things. You're not fooling around with demonic things, are you? You'd be a fool to fool around with dark witchcraft and dark arts and Ouija boards and all that bunch of trash. Might as well throw Harry Potter and the rest of that junk in there with it. I'm not for none of it. In fact, when God saved me, I can't even watch scary movies. I tried to, I tried to sell them off somebody else, but I should have thrown them in the trash. But uh, I don't even like scary movies. I don't like all that junk. Now, I know it's just movies. You say, well, it's not real. You say whatever you want to. I don't want to be around all that stuff. I don't like all that chanting in the mirror and all that bunch of junk. Uh Uh-uh. I don't want nowhere around all that. That stuff bothers me, and I don't want to be near it. Y'all, hey, I don't know. You, you think, you, I, I, listen, I, uh, I know enough about the spirit world to know when I pray, I enter into more than I think I bargained for. When you bow your head and pray, you enter a spirit world. I know, that's, that's what your Bible teaches. Wonder, wonder, well, let's not do that. Okay, so the sin of witchcraft. Now, that's a great sin. That's a horrible thing, and I've seen it destroy more people's lives where they just fool around with things that they think are very silly, and they subject themselves to demonic realms. Now, if you don't think that stuff's happening, you're crazy. Do you think a person in their right mind would murder a baby inside of them? Do you think that's natural? What does the Bible say? Without natural affection. That's That's demonic. What people are doing these days is demonic. They're sexually demonic. 
There's demons that will, that will move people uh, to manifest themselves in certain ways. When you come in the Gospels and you see Christ encountering those demons, they didn't all manifest themselves in the same way. Some of them were, some of them were uh, uh, very violent demons. You talk to some of these missionaries in some of these foreign lands, and they'll talk to you and tell you all about it. There's, there's, a, there's a demonic oppression. See, the Bible, remember the Bible said, uh, before we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against what? Principalities and powers, spiritual wickedness in high places. Well, what is that talking about? It's not talking about Kamala Harris. Now, it could be her seat, but there's demonic oppressions and there's demonic powers that influence her position, Right? So we wrestle not against blessing. Here's the thing. How do I, I'm not wrestling her at all. How do I do that? In prayer. Paul said, did I just in vain fight with beasts at Ephesus? What do you think he was talking about? I know what I think he was talking about. I believe he was wrestling in prayer and prevailing in prayer. And he was wrestling beasts, spiritually speaking. Now, so if he's chosen us to be a good soldier, I don't know anywhere else to fight. If we have invisible weapons and we fight an invisible and fight an invisible enemy, I don't know how else we're fighting in this good fight if we're not praying. So I never would have thought in a million years until I come across in scriptures that a man's answer to prayer can be hindered by demonic powers. Remember that? Daniel? So we think we look at these things and we, we ought to have a good, healthy fear about demonic things. If it looks wrong and it's ungodly, you better just stay away from it. Do not get involved with, with all kinds of... I'm telling you, there is nothing worse you could do for your soul than involve yourself and think light of demonic realms because they're as real as me and you sitting in here. And our only hope, thank the Lord, is the power of Christ. Hey, there's one angel that even said he rebuked him in the name of Jesus. I don't even know if he had the power. I, I, I know he does. In the end, God gives him the power to bind those powers of darkness. But God gave him that power. Right now, I don't know that he has it. He rebukes him in the name of Christ. So that's scary. Well, it should be. It should keep you away from all this demonic stuff. I don't know about you, but I got, I got enough demons in me. I don't need them all around me too. <laughs> now, so we see this sin and every one of us can, can look at that. Uh, people uh, going along. And let, let me tell you, I don't know why you young people would want to paint your fingernails black. I don't want anything to identify me with darkness. ACDC and, you know, all the demonic signs and all that stuff. And you say, well, all that stuff's silly. Okay, you might think it's silly. I don't. Because I've read the Bible. And I don't see anything changed from Christ's ascension until now that says that those powers are gone. They were alive on the face of the earth. He would talk to them. We know thee whom thou art, the Holy One of God. Have you come to torment us before our time? I ain't talking to them. I'm not Jesus. I don't want involved with that stuff. And you do far well to stay away from all that kind of mess. That's why I don't like fooling with it. You, you, know, why, you know why some of these people, young people carry on like they do? They're full of demons. Yeah. Why? Because you subjected yourself to it willingly. 
You better watch where you're going, who you're talking to, and what you're watching on TV. I don't think you ought to fool around watching all that demonic stuff on TV. I don't like it. I'm not watching Jason and Friday the 13th on TV. I don't like all that stuff. Now, I'd shoot him with, a, with, a, with, a, <laughs> with an AR-15, bring a knife to a gunfire. <laughs> but listen to what I'm saying. I'm being silly, but I'm trying to be serious. We better stay away from all that foolishness. We, have, we are children of the light. We got no business fooling around with darkness. Be careful about all that. I'm, I'll be honest with you. My mind just can't operate. I'm not scared. You say, preacher, are you scared? I'm not scared of none of that. I'm just not going to fool around with it. I have seen too much since I've been saved. I've seen too much. I know it's real, and I don't want to be no part of it. I want to dwell in the light. I want to be in the light. I want to be with God's people, don't you? I don't want to be around all that dark stuff. So take heed to yourselves, and be careful what you're subjecting yourself to. Now, I'm not getting into a bunch of conspiracy theories and all, but you better be careful listening to all that rock music and that demonic music. You better be careful with that. What that's feeding into your mind. So, about everybody in here would agree with me that being involved in witchcraft's wicked, right? That nobody wants. And I don't think we'd be opening ourselves up to all that. And you say, well, it's really not that big a deal. We just dress up like witches on Halloween. You're as nutty as you look. I'm not dressing my kids up like a witch to walk around town in. How crazy are we? My question is, why do you want to be a witch anyway? So, hey, no, I'm not going to make that joke. Nope, nope, nope. It's not funny. I just don't like all that stuff. I'm not going around here. I know it's coming up soon, but I'm going to tell you something. I am not dressing up. I am not going to dress my family up and, like, and, and a bunch of dark stuff and a bunch of wicked stuff and glorifying it and go around and get candy. I'm not going to do that. I just don't think that's godly. I just don't think that's right. I don't want the community to see me uh, uh, um, uh, dressed up like that and identifying with, with dark arts and things like that. I, don't, I just don't think it's godly. You do whatever you want to. I don't, I'm not your uh, boss. I'm just trying to say I don't think a Christian belongs involved in those kinds of things. And it's a, it's a sad day when we brought it into our churches and started having drunken treat. God help us. Somebody can't preach the Bible. We're going to give out candy and dress up out on the church parking lot. Well, I like it, preacher. Well, that's fine. I don't care. I don't care if you like it or not. I'm just trying to say, I just don't like that stuff. Why, why in the world do I want to take a day that is given and set aside to, to revel in darkness and dark arts and dark witchcraft and all that stuff? Why do I want to identify with a day like that? If these two days we ought to purpose to work and sign up for overtime, it ought to be on Halloween and Martin Luther King Jr. Day. I don't think that ought to be there either. That's neither here nor there. Now, I'm not trying to be ugly, but I'm trying to tell you that sin of witchcraft's wicked. And, and this is what this Bible's talking about. I've seen people play around reading their horoscope. What in the world has a Christian got business playing around with a horoscope? That's demonic. That's not godly. Amen. Well, are you a Gemini? I don't even know what that is. I thought it was. A, I thought it was. I thought they were stones. Is there not stones called that stuff? I didn't know what all that is. The craziest. Well, you know that's how us Gemini's are. <laughs> You're about as stupid. 
What in the world does that even mean? No, that's how wicked people are. Let's just call it what it is. You're just wicked. That's not how a Christian ought to be. Gemini's may be, but Christians aren't. Wonder how them people could tell when they came forth, they said they could tell them people been with Jesus. I bet they weren't dressed up like witches, were they? But, you know, whatever. So that's really sinful. And he compares that to the sin of disobedience. Now that's what we don't like because all of us do that in a week. Very few of us fool around with all that witchcraft, but a lot of us fool around with disobedience in the week, don't we? And God said, you're no better, Saul, because of your partial disobedience to my will than somebody that's involved in witchcraft. And he said, somebody that's stubborn. Now, I hate to beat myself to death, Brother Reed, but I'm a little stubborn. <laughs> Somebody escort him out of here. Me and you both may be escorted out tonight after this message. So he compares, and then, and then he says, and it's stubbornness as, a sin of, as of iniquity and uh, uh, idolatry. Now, how many of you go home and you've got, a, you've got a cross hanging up on your wall with a 60-pound long-haired hippie that ain't shaved in 10 years hanging up on the wall and you get down in front of it and chant three times and worship an idol? None of us do that. That I know, I hope you ain't doing that. None of us got a little Buddha that we sit out on the corner and then, you know, none of us do that. We think that's silly. Uh, uh, but uh, you know what the Bible said about disobedience and being stubborn uh, to God? It's the same thing. To God. Now it's not to me. You got a witch sitting here and you got somebody that's a little stubborn. I'm going to take the fellow that's a little stubborn, aren't you? <laughs> she can go ride her broom somewhere else. I've seen some we need to put on a broom and ship out. Now, <laughs> get the car ready, Brother Reed. <laughs> hey, and so we, we now here's, we're, we're the opposite. We see things like witchcraft and idolatry, and man, we'll slam that stuff, just like you've heard me say, just preaching against it hard, and we should. But boy, we ought to take just a harder stance on our stubbornness and our rebellion to God as we do that. And so, Saul is told, let's see, once, twice, three times. Now, look at verse 24, because finally, at the very end, the third time we've heard the story, anyway, from Saul that he's had something to say about this. Once again, we've had nothing but excuses. Other people have been blamed. We've gone through all of that. And now finally, finally, after Samuel has to sit there and continue to argue with him, that's what's happened. He has told Samuel, I did right. Samuel comes back and says, no, you didn't. God said this. He comes back and said, well, the people said, no, you didn't. This is what you did. God, God, Samuel's having to argue with him and, about his own uh, sin. Right. And he knows it. So finally you get to the bottom and you get one of the most true, most honest statements that Saul has made to date and it didn't change a thing. See, some people, they like, to they like to say really negative things about themselves because it's some, it makes them feel better, but I think that they think it makes you feel better about them. But they have no intentions of changing. 
They have no intentions of getting it right with God. Uh, they just, they're just saying it about themselves to you because then you can go away and say, well, that fellow, he's real honest. Well, yeah, he's real honestly stubborn and real honestly rebellious because he ought to repent and get it right. But he doesn't. Let's read the verse and then we'll move forward. So Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned. Amen, Saul. Yes, you have. That's what I've been trying to tell you, Samuel said. You've not obeyed God. He says, okay, all right, fine. I've sinned. I. You didn't see the people. I have sinned. Sounding good, isn't it? I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord. Amen. And thy words. And here's the really honest statement. He finally admits that he did it because he feared the people and obeyed their voice. Now that's embarrassing. I disregarded God. I didn't care about what God said. And I didn't hearken to the voice of God because I listened to the people and I sinned against God. That sounds great, Saul. Amen. Hey, Saul's getting right with God, isn't he? Well, is he? He's saying the right words, isn't he? He's finally being honest. He's being honest and still not getting any help. Why? He don't want help. He doesn't want help. All he's concerned about that I can tell at this time, I guess, is how people think about him and all those things, all the selfish things. He's not really concerned that he's offended a holy God and really wants God to forgive him so that he does not continue down that path any longer. That's not what he wants. What he wants to look to the appearance that he's honest. He wants to look honest. He wants to speak honestly. And he wants to come across honest to other people, even to the man of God. But in his heart, he's not honest because he doesn't repent. He doesn't get it right. He has no intentions of getting it right. So, what does Samuel say? Well, let's read verse 25. Now, therefore, I pray thee, pardon my sin. Now, I I understand I'm not attacking too much, but boy, don't you wish you had a psalm uh, or something to come back like David, where David said, against thee and in thee only have I sinned, O God. Now, let's not get into why he said what he said. I think it's fine what he said here. Pardon my sin. And turn again with me that I may worship the Lord. Now, man, it really seems like Saul's, old Saul's on his path to getting right with God. He's wanting to worship God. He's being honest. He's come from his heart and said, look, I did this because I tried to please people and I disobeyed God. I want you to turn with me. I want you to forgive me so that I can worship God again. I want to worship God. And maybe he did. But here's the thing. God said he seeketh us to worship him in spirit and truth. Take the truth out and God doesn't want you to worship. Right? So, Saul, looking great. Sounds great. Most of us would reinstate him to the church. Would you? Seems real. The problem is I can't see a person's heart, see. I don't know. Luckily, we have the book. It tells us. Saul said unto Samuel, I've sinned, I've transgressed, and I feared the people. And I obeyed their voice. I want you to pardon me, and I want you to turn with me again that I may worship the Lord. I want to be restored into fellowship. I want to be forgiven. Isn't that a good thing to want? Sounds right. Sounds to me like he wants to get right, Brother Tony. Sounds like he wants to worship God. And this has come up in his life and God has showed him what's really in his heart. He's been exposed for what he is and now he's got an opportunity where he can worship God again. But he doesn't capitalize on it. 
Why? Because I'd say if you could look way deep down inside of his heart, there is no regard for God at all. He wants to experience worship. Now, I'm reading this into it right now, but you've got to stay with me as you go on through this chapter and especially through the end of the book to not look back on this verse and see that his heart is not real. It's not genuine. He doesn't want to worship God. He wants to be involved in worship. That's what it seems like to me. He wants to feel worship again. He doesn't want to deal with the fact that he's rebellious to God and that he's sinful and the things that he did. He doesn't want to deal with that and correct it and get it right and stop going down that path because he continues on down that path. That's not repentance. So in his heart, he misses the experience of worship. It's, it's, I've seen people try to get right with God again. And I'm going to tell you something. It's difficult once you get out to get back in. It can happen, though, and God can restore you and make you greater than you were before. I believe that. It's no failure on God's part. The part is we start asking it that we might consume it upon our own lust. We want to be restored to worship so that we can experience worship again. Not because I see myself as what I am and I see him as what he is and I want to adore him for what he is. That's, that's rarely the case. And it's not the case here that I can tell. So... Turn with me again. Samuel said to Psalm, verse 26, I will not return with thee, for thou hast rejected the word of God. You've rejected the word of the Lord. Now, I'm going to say this about Samuel. And I'm going to tell some young people too, especially. There comes a point when a person joins themselves to their idols that you've got to let them alone. A person that is going to consistently reject the word of God and not repent and walk with God, you cannot be bosom buddies with people like that. You just can't. And come out okay in the end, you're just not going to be able to do it. And Samuel finally, I mean, he's had time and time again. They didn't, he didn't just cut him off immediately. And you say, well, wait a minute, he does turn it back to him again. And yes, he does. But I'm going to tell you why I think Samuel turned back to him again for the sake of the people. He did it for the people's sake, not, not Saul's. So he tells him, no, I'm not going to turn back with you again because you've rejected the word of God and God's rejected you. And I'm not walking with, with you because God's rejected you. And so he tells him that. And verse 27, as Samuel turned about to go his way, he laid hold upon his skirt of his mantle and it ripped. In my estimation, this is Saul doing that. And verse 28 said, Samuel said unto him, The Lord hath rent the kingdom of Israel from thee this day and hath given it to a neighbor of thine that is better than thou. That sound familiar? He says that a whole lot moving on forward. David, you're better than me. Well, God said that. So here he has it the fourth time. God's rejected you from being king. He's ripped the kingdom from you. It's over. But he's a stubborn man. He's a defiant person. So I see this in a lot of, in a lot of people. And, we gotta, and I, I know I'm trying to hurry. But it's in, in, in positions of leadership, I've seen preachers get up, make an absolute wreck of their life, and, 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 and I mean get involved in all kinds of things. And thank the Lord that the Lord will forgive a preacher, a non-preacher, pew, pulpit, it don't matter. Thank God for the goodness of yes. God and the blood of Christ. Yes. But you can do some things in your life that will disqualify you from standing in this pulpit and preaching the Bible. Period. 
You say, well, the gifts in common are gone without repentance. Well, that's fine, but they've disqualified themselves and they can't fulfill it. That's my opinion. Again, that's an opinion now. But I, I, I believe personally that a person can come to a place and Saul has disqualified himself from being king. God's pulled it away from him. He's a defiant person though. That doesn't bother Saul because he quit caring about what God thought a long time ago. So now it's all about him and he's just going to keep on plowing. And he's going to do it without God. And he'll die a fool. Boy, when God tells you to get out of something, I don't care what it costs. Get out. Get out. Well, this is what they're going to think. They're going to think I'm weak or I quit. Let them think it. They probably do anyway. Just let them think what they're going to. Just mind God. Do what God said. Right? Well, what if Brother Clinton don't agree with it? Brother Clinton will just have to get over it. Right? Do what God told you to do. Just make sure you got scripture for it. Well, God told me, I, hey, I know a man like this. He was talking to me, Tyler, a pastor friend of mine. This isn't my story. Some people would tell this as it was their story. But this isn't my story. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> Lord help us. But he was counseling man. He said, man, we've gotten help. They had a meeting and come to him and said, that told me that this couple came to him, the couple, man and the wife. And the man spoke up and said, God's given us so much peace to this meeting. He showed us we wasn't ever supposed to be together. We're not supposed to be together no more. We're going to get a divorce. We weren't right for each other. It wasn't the will of God. We're going to divorce each other and find somebody else. And they just thought they had just really seen the light. <laughs> Man, God's not told you to do that. <laughs> Whatever. What do I know? And anyway, so if God's told you to do that, Amber, if God's telling you to do that, that ain't God, Okay. Right? God's not going to tell us to do things that are contrary to the book. So, he tells him, God's going to take the kingdom from you. No, I'm sorry. Let me, that's not future tense. He hath rent the kingdom this day and hath given it to a neighbor of thine that is better than thou. Fourth time. And also the strength of Israel will not lie nor repent, for he is not a man that he should repent. See, we repent because we do things wrong and we need to get them right. God doesn't ever do nothing wrong. Now, he might change his mind. Don't, you can't deny that, Mr. Fatalist. That's, God said that about himself. I will repent of the evil that I decided to do to you. He also said I'll repent of the good I was going to do for you too. So anyway, but here, what, what we're saying here is God's, not, God's judgment in this isn't wrong. He's not going to repent of it. He doesn't need to repent because what he does is right. And so then he said, I have sinned. Here, here we go again. But here's why I say it's not real. Look at this. Then he said, I have sinned. You say, preacher, what are you talking about? I, I don't know if you do this. I do this myself. There are times, and I, I, I'll use, this has happened since I've been saved. I thought that in my heart I was genuine about something. And then God revealed to me when I stepped back and looked at that thing, I really wasn't. But I had to step back and analyze myself and my intent and all the things that happened. If I really was doing this for this, well, then why am I upset that nobody said this or that or this? See, and God will help you see yourself. And here, if Saul, 
I don't even think he hears himself. How many times is he, we're on like the fifth time he's telling the story. And now he's saying again, I've sinned. And here's what he's got to say now. First it was, I just want to worship God. Turn with me that I may worship. Now, it says in verse 30, then he said, I have sinned. Yet honor me now, I pray thee, before the elders of my people and before Israel. So now we're getting a little bit better picture. Oh, I see. So what you're really wanting is to get Samuel's approval. I've seen men like this. They don't really want to get it right. They just want a big a preacher with a big name to come be around them because that'll give them credibility. Right. See, they don't have to deal with the sin. They don't have to, if they, if they can just get the appearance of a Samuel to come by and be with them, then they can tell everybody how right they were. See, I'm right because Samuel was with me. Amen. Samuel wouldn't be with me if I was wrong and never repent and never deal with the problem. Right. That's not gonna get you nowhere. You don't need Samuel. Are we a nation of priests? Now, don't dispensationalize that out on me. We're priests unto God. Is that what the book said? A holy nation. Well, no, that's Israel. Well, you can believe that if you want to. So, if he would have stepped back and looked, now we see a clear picture, okay? Turn with me now, Samuel, that I may worship the Lord. Now Samuel goes on again and comes back. And then he comes back again, Hunter. And he comes back to him and said, okay, I've sinned. And uh, here's, here's what his request is now. Now I want you to turn with me again so that you can do that before all the elders and all the people. I want all of them to see that you've turned back with me. And I want them to see me and you go worship God together. Now that's a clear picture that he's not genuine. And some people, they'll say they want to get right with God because they know it's expected of them. I've seen young people do this all the time. They'll get in a service and they'll get to moving and they know everybody knows what they've done. And so they'll try to use the altar and they'll come down here because they know dad knows about it. They know mommy knows about it. They know the deacons know about it. They know the church. They know their friends. They know everybody knows about it. So they know that everybody's sitting there thinking, well, I need to go down front. And see, it's not getting you nowhere with God. Because you don't want right with God. You just want right with everybody else so that you can look right and continue in your sins. That's what you're doing. Just, just look at yourself. And what you're, doing. you're not concerned about getting right with God. You're not upset that you've offended heaven. You're upset that everybody else is upset. I know you're doing that because I've done it before. And not even known it. Well, I'm not going to tell them myself. None of your business. But I've done it before. So, what, 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 what we need to look at is, yes, people have been hurt. People have been offended. And, and real repentance will bring it. Yea, uh, what indignation uh, that is wrought in you. Uh, yea, what clearing of yourselves. Is that what Paul said in Corinthians? And there will be a clearing of yourself. If you've if you offended him, if you get right with God, you'll get right with him. Right. I, that's what the Bible says. Right? That's what will happen. But first, you got to worry about you've offended God. God's the one with the law, not me. And he's the one that's holy and he's the judge. And it's him you got to appease, not the church, not me. So he doesn't really turn to really want to worship God. What we see is really he's worried about his image. I want to appear right before everybody else. And sad to say that that can happen in the life of anybody, a preacher, a king. A young person, an older person. So, here, here's the wonderful thing. Here's the wonderful, when I get away from the pulpit, I lose the time. Here's the wonderful thing. I don't know how many times I've done that and God continued to deal with me. Isn't that good? Yeah. Now, 
That's not promised to any of us. God's life will kill you. I don't know. I'm not t- promising you tomorrow. No man knows that, see. I, but what I am saying is, I'm rejoicing in this. God's dealt with me many a times and allowed me to see that I wasn't really concerned about him. And he showed me those things and brought me to a place where I really was concerned about what God thought. Aren't you glad for that? I don't know how many times I, I, I went through that little spill and went through all those little things and then only for God finally to get to the end of myself. Have anybody ever heard that kind of language? I, God brought me to the end of myself. What does it mean? It means I finally got to the place. I didn't care if my friends made fun of me. I don't care what mom and daddy thought. I don't care what my wife thought. I wanted to get right with God. <laughs> and now that's a salvation, but since I've been saved, I've had some moments like that. Well, I know they got to think, well, and man, God brings you through all that, showing you that ain't working, that's not helping you. So if you want to get right with God and you're in that hole and you're in that cave and that you don't seem like you can get out, when you start really getting honest with God and really being concerned about the, about the glory of God more than you are, the glory of yourself in front of all the people, God will start to help you. But no... Make me look good in front of everybody. That's what it looks like. Now, verse 31, let's finish the chapter. Samuel turned again after Saul, and Saul worshiped the Lord. Now, again, you, you think about it if you want to, but I think Samuel turned to him because of the people. Think there's a certain, there's a certain way that you deal with leadership and you know, I, I, I don't go on all that. But I, I, think that's what, I think that's what was done here. And it did say Saul worshiped the Lord. And uh, so then said Samuel, bring ye hither to me Agag, the king of the Amalekites. And Agag came in him delicately. And Agag, surely uh, the bitterness of death is past. He thought he was going to get away with this thing. And Samuel said, as thy sword hath made women childless, so shall thy mother be childless among women. And Samuel hewed Agag in pieces before the Lord in Gilgal. Wasn't Samuel's place to do it, but it had to be done. Well, I don't want to go much into that. But can I say something? When God's got a will that he wants to see carried out, uh, if you don't do it, let me take for instance. You think, well, it's just me and it's just the will of God. It's just me and God. No. Let's take for instance, me and God's put us over ahead of our homes. And if we don't raise our children and nurture the admonition of the Lord and raise them in the fear of God, you know who's going to have to bear all that burden? Your wife will. And your wife will be carrying a load you're supposed to carry. It won't just go undone. So, it's important that we do our part in the will of the Lord, isn't it? Because if we don't, we're going to dump more on somebody else. Potentially. That wasn't Samuel's job to do. Anyway, so Samuel went to Ramah, and Saul went up to his house in Gibeah of Saul. Verse 35, Samuel came no more to see Saul until the day of his death. Nevertheless, Samuel mourned for Saul. And the Lord repented that he made Saul king over Israel. Now, we're done. But... It's been a kind of a dark picture, hadn't it? It started out so good. And one little mistake after another little mistake, and then all centered around his cell, and now we've got a mess. We're, we're going to have a bigger mess as we go forward. Can I say something? Please, if you, if you don't do what the young preacher said uh, before I got up, if you don't do what Ken said, and come unto me, and deny yourself, and go to the Lord, you think it's a mess now, just give it a little time. You've not seen nothing yet. It'll get a lot worse. 
I told a friend of mine, Tyler prayed for him the day I got saved until I don't know how many years ago, but you prayed for him for years, my friend Dusty. Prayed for him for years. There's no telling how many years that we pray. I'm amazed that God didn't do worse than he did. The prayers, this little boy was praying. He was a little boy at the time. And uh, you're a grown boy now. But um, I told him, he, he, he was in the hospital about six months after I got saved. He come to one time, listen to me preach, never would come back. I couldn't get him to come back. And um, he ended up in the hospital. And he was in bad shape. I took him a Bible and I told him, I said, Dusty, I'm telling you, I don't know much about God. I mean, at the time I don't, theologically, I don't, but I know, I know this much. God is not to be fooled with. And I told him, laying in that bed, I said, you think this is bad, it's going to get a lot worse because Tyler's been praying for you. You better get right with God, I'm telling you. He's done things now I would have never dreamed he'd have done. I'm shocked he's alive. If, if Tyler saw him right now, have you seen him since then? Did you even recognize him? It's unreal what the world's done to him. So all I'm trying to say is this, I'm not a prophet, I'm, not a, I'm just telling you, if you sow to the flesh, you're going to reap that. You're going to reap corruption. And I'm telling you, think it's bad now, what you need to do is just humble yourself, forget about everybody else and what everybody else is saying and thinking and doing and blah, 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 and just focus upon the Lord and get right with God because you've offended God. And if you'll do that, the Lord will help you. All right? Well, let's have a verse and then we'll, we'll be done. We're about done with Saul's we're going to go on and see he's, he's distrustful, dismissive. His demeanor is all wrong. And then eventually, he's deserted. Here, not too long, he's going to do things. Uh, some things are going to transpire, and the Spirit of the Lord is going to depart from him, and instead, God's going to replace the Spirit of God with an evil spirit. And did you know the people around Saul recognized that, said this evil spirit came from God? Hey, don't play around with God. You better get right while there's time to get right. Lord, we love you. Pray you'd help our folks tonight. Pray you'd help my heart, help me, Lord, to have a good, uh, sound, uh, healthy, filial fear of God in my heart. And Lord, I pray for anybody here may be unsaved. May they see themselves lost without the Lord Jesus, and may they see Him as well. I pray any Christians here struggling with sin and darkness and feels like they can't get back home, Lord, I pray you'd help them to see and remember the Father's house, Lord. Please, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, stand to your feet just a moment, and we'll let Brother Reed sing us a verse if you need to come. The altars are open.